The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only and does not take your personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Good morning, everybody. My name is John Addis. I'm the founder and editor of Intelligent Investor, and I'm here today to talk about our second best growth business, second from 10, um, with Gaurav Sodi, who's here this morning. How are you doing, Gaurav? Hey, John. Nice to hear from you again. <laughs> That's right. It's been a while. Um, so today we are talking about quite a small business. Not many people mm. have heard of it. We've only ever written an ideas lab on it. We haven't ish- ever issued a formal recommendation. Um, but the way I came into this stock, aside from reading your ideas lab about it, Gaurav, was through F1. I've yeah. never been interested in cars. My car is 15 years old. Mm. It's diesel. I'm going to have to replace it at some point and I'm just dreading the decision because I just don't really care. But when I started re- looking at F1, that series on Netflix, it became kind of fascinating. I mean, this is such an interesting, I wouldn't call it a sport, but it's an interesting human activity. <laughs> you wouldn't you know, call which it combines, a sport. No, it's no, not at all. Racing around, what's the difference between people running and cars racing? I think it's definitely a sport. Sure. Well, it's the way it combines engineering, like, like it's not, it, there is a physical aspect to it, but it's also mm-hmm. so much technology and engineering as well. Yeah. In a I, I'd way argue that, that people, running, been, people running has become a technological art as well. As much maybe. as a, there's this book called the um, the Sports Gene, and the author there argues that um, top runners and athletes are now just physical freaks who have very unusual physical qualities that enable them to do these supernatural feats, and um, without those incredible qualities which some people try to replicate with drugs mm. um uh, you just wouldn't be able to see the amazing things we see now but, but anyway um yeah it, it's hard to go from that to radiators yeah but anyway we're <laughs> yes. going to give it a go so tell us about pwr holdings this is a small business relatively small business in queensland uh, it's run by a bloke called keith wheel funny enough wheel. keith wheel mm. Um, Which is delightful you, for an F1. Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. perfect. Yeah. How, how did you come across this business? Yeah, so I am actually um, a car nut. I love cars. I, you know, I've got a, um, a loud, obnoxious V8, um, John, which I just adore. Hmm. Uh, and my neighbours all hate. And um, <laughs> I will have that thing over any electric vehicle forever. I told my son that you're going to learn how to drive in this thing and he just wants an EV and I'm heartbroken. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I love cars um, and I've enjoyed this. This is Gaurav not speaking like a resources analyst. <laughs> <laughs> and, I've, and I've loved um, uh, F1 for a long time as well. I've gone to see it in Melbourne. Um, Krups and I, my wife and I follow um, the F1 long before Drive to Survive came along, but hmm. Drive to Survive has definitely made it more interesting. I almost think you can plot the... Um, the share price of PWR against um, multiple seasons of Drive to Survive. Oh, really? Um, it, has, it, it has been probably the most phenomenal thing to happen to F1 in its history. Um, F1 has tried for years to crack the American market. Mm. There's a PE firm that bought into F1, um, provided proper management, funding, and strategy for the first time. And the only way that they were able to do it, crack into America, was to make this content deal with Netflix. And the success of that content deal, which formulated into Drive to Survive, that's the thing. After decades of trying, that catapulted F1 
um, into America, which is traditionally NASCAR territory, which is the complete opposite of what F1 is supposed to be. Um, so I've always been aware of PWR. I've been aware of um, the product. Um, there's a lot of OEM uh, supercars that use PWR radiators. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I read all those magazines. I watch all those videos. And uh, it's, it's a in personal interest of mine that led me to the stock in the first place. Okay. So what, what's, what's interesting about this, having this company on this list is that it's engineering led and we think about technology often in terms of bits and bytes, but this is a genuine old school kind of technology business in that it employs lots of fluid engineers. And when you look at the mechanics of cooling systems in F1 cars, they're incredibly complicated and important things. So can you tell us why, why, why do cooling systems in F1 cars matter so much? Hmm. So the um, the engines in any car, but speci- but most importantly in F1 cars, generate an enormous amount of heat, and the cooling systems are required to cool the engine, make sure it doesn't heat, overheat, and um, you need that so the the car can finish the race. So hmm. the the cooling system in an F1 application becomes indispensable, but it's a relatively small cost of the entire engineering effort. So Ferrari, for example, would have a budget of $200, 300 $400 dollars um, for a season. Even the most lowly F1 team um, would have a $50, $60 million budget. And of that, um, only a few hundred thousand dollars would be dedicated towards cooling. Ferrari might spend $1 million or $2 million on cooling. And um, that goes towards a absolutely vital function. So um, in in... The, the reason why this is so attractive is because small changes in outcome um, lead to massive differences um, in the end, at the end of the race. So um, a cooling system that's only minutely better than the next competitor just means everything. And, and businesses, uh, these, these races, these companies will spend whatever they need to spend. Um, they will pour resources into gaining that very small advantage that a better cooling system can provide. Hmm. Now, in, F, F, in an F1, every cooling system is bespoke to that car for that track. So a, a, um, a, a Red Bull... So, so they swap out the cooling system based yes. on the track? Well, the, the car will change uh, uh, on every track depending on the um, aerodynamic requirements of that specific track. So there's some tracks that have really long straights and, uh, and not very many tight turns. Mm-hmm. And on those tracks, you probably want different aerodynamics and cooling than you want on really tight, twisty tracks where, um, where you, you, know, you don't want you might not want these big gaping holes to to uh, um, to affect the aerodynamics. Now, there's a trade-off here between cooling and downforce. Um, so, if, what do you mean by this is the force that keeps the the car on the ground? It keeps the car on the ground. That's right. So, um, you know, the, the most efficient way to cool the car is to leave big gaping holes everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that limits obviously the um, the. the that changes the airflow around the car and it also um, limits the downforce um, uh, that can apply to the car. So you risk the car sort of... So there's a trade-off between aerodynamics and cooling ability. That's right. And the job of the of PWR effectively is to manage that trade-off in every car on every track. 
And that's why um, PWR, at the beginning of the season, they'll embed with the manufacturers um, and they will design the cooling systems for their car for every specific track. Um, and they'll do that at the beginning of the season and um, and that will get renewed over the next season. In fact, their designs change so quickly and um, they're so bespoke that there's actually no IP associated with those designs. They, you know, someone can come around and copy last year's design and, and try and implement it, but that hasn't really worked because by then PWR has come up with a better solution or a slightly better change, um, which renders last year's work um, obsolete. So they don't even bother trying to get IP protection on their older designs. But the older designs reflect a built-up knowledge, um, experience, and trust. And and those things you can't just replicate. You can't just turn up with those things, even if you can copy um, yeah. um, the designs. Okay. So they're now in almost all of the F1 teams. I think they are. They have actually got all of them. Now, there used have to they? be a, a UK business called Marsden, which used mm-hmm. to be the um, the – PWR of of F1 back in the 90s and 80s. And PWR started in V8 supercars. In fact, Keys Wheel and his son are V8 supercar drivers. Um, and they started this um, this cooling business in, in V8 supercars. And then they got their first contract in F1. And um, look, I don't know how they did it, how they got so good so quick, but their product was just better. And um, they have forced Marsden um, over the years um, I think it's taken about 10 years. They went from a market share of, of sort of one customer. They now have the entire F1 grid. They design the cooling systems for every single manufacturer on that grid. Um, uh, internally, right. some of the manufacturers used to do it themselves. They now all outsource to PWR. So in the period of sort of 15 years, they've gone from being the challenger to the incumbent to being um, being absolutely dominant. They now have uh, the monopoly provider and Marsden, no longer do F1 at all. They focus on other things. Wow. Okay. So it, it sounds though that this is still quite limited in terms of revenue growth, uh, despite the fact they've kind of more than double red revenue in the past eight years. Um, what, what about expansion? What, what businesses are they, what, what events and what races are they going into now? I suppose this technology could be used in lots of different applications. When I first looked at this business, I, I thought the strategy would be to expand into other forms of, of racing and other forms of motorsport in particular. You know, F1 is the pinnacle that really builds the brand and it's allowed them to then um, make contracts for supercars and hypercars, you know, these sort of $1 million to $3 million vehicles that have production runs of a couple of hundred vehicles. Um, PWR will have a contract um, with, say, Bugatti, or with um, Aston Martin to build these, um, a limited run of those cars, and they'll build, make the cooling systems for those cars. That's right. actually been a significant growth segment for the business, and it comes from their reputation experience in F1. Mm-hmm. I thought that's where the growth would be, and they'd maybe go to world rally cars um, uh, or other motor forms of motor racing. In fact, where they've gone is their uh, cooling technology has now become so advanced. It is small, light, and uh, the resources they have are now so good that they're they're changing to um, uh, defense 
to to supplying the defense sector. So they're doing things like um, um, calling for um, space applications, um, Mm -hmm. so uh, rocket launchers, uh, missiles, uh, airplanes, um, and other things we don't really know about. Um, They're working on cooling solutions for data centers and uh, cooling solutions for um, even for uh, uh, heavy armored vehicles and things like that. And these are all, there's not a lot of detail on this. They wrap all that up into a segment they call emerging technologies. And if you break down the results of PWR, that emerging technologies is small, but is growing very, very swiftly. It's where they're directing a lot of effort. Um, and, And so far, I'd say the results are still kind of hidden. And they're hidden because a lot of growth, surprisingly, is still coming from F1. And that's because F1 is changes the rules every year. They're introducing more electric motors. Um, there's just so many more cooling elements on an F1 car today than there was five years ago. I think the number is they now use, I think it's 12 radiators on the car compared to sort of three or four a few years ago. Well, well in, your, in your ideas lab on this stock, which I think yeah. was published, let me have a look. Uh, probably a couple of years ago, yeah. This mm. is in July 2019, so <clears throat> almost three years old now. But you, you said that that the Formula One engine generates heat that is 2,500 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So these engine temperatures are yeah, half serious. as hot as the sun. I mean, <laughs> yes. that's kind of mad that you're driving around in something that bloody hot. Yeah, I know. Well, these um, the engines are... Uh, technological tool they, these are things that are amazing i mean this is the pinnacle of human engineering really um and uh it requires something extraordinary to keep these things cool um, mm. so this is not you, you're right i mean early on you said this is not about bits and bytes but this is about just the um the attention to detail and care about um about a very specific niche mm. and one of the things i really like about this business is that um if you're a, a graduate in fluid dynamics or you're a mechanical engineer or you're a materials engineer, you know, you could go and work on, um, uh, you know, you could go work in, in on caterpillars or, uh, or, or heavy machinery or you can yeah. go work on Ferraris, you know, and, you know, it would be so attractive to get the best talent once you have built this reputation. The the reason we that I don't own it, and in fact it's never been a buy recommendation for us, is that the price has never made sense to me. It's been I've introduced it twice at the Dragon's Den. The first time, I think the rest of the team wasn't convinced by the quality of the business, and I probably just went into too much technical detail. Why is that? Because it's too niche. Um, well, the because it has no IP protection, I think the, the thought process mm. of the team was this is just an engineering services business. Mm. Um, it has no competitive advantage. Um, it, it, it displaced Marsden. Someone else could come and displace them. I don't think the, you know, and this we find this often that in, in businesses where there's no obvious clear moat, um, you know, when there's not a network effect, where there's not um, IP protection, it can be hard to identify what really makes the business special. And yeah. in those circumstances, I often find that um, the sort of the, the cultural um, relationships, brand, these things are nebulous, but they're incredibly powerful. 
we we speak about this issue a lot and you can see it in a lot of the business that we've been talking about even in la visa there are things in that business i know i imagine people is a lot to do with it mm. who are able to spot trends and respond quickly to those trends and get products in the stores that meet those needs within a couple of months mm. you can see it in in a knowledge-based economy which is you know aside from resources really what we have and there's still got a lot of knowledge in resources businesses yeah it's 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 kind of silly not to think about the culture of a place when you're really thinking about a knowledge business because that's where often the competitive advantages lie and like you say it's very nebulous it's hard to put your finger on what it was what it is that makes this business special but to me when i when i read your ideas lab and i read a bit about the company you can see this is an attractive, a really attractive place for people who are interested in this stuff to go and work. It is yeah. the pinnacle. And they're probably not going there for the money. They're going there because they are at the bleeding edge of this kind of science. Exactly. And that in itself is a competitive advantage, I think. The people that that business attracts is their advantage. And the fact that they're being embedded in these teams and the teams, like the F1 teams, and the teams are kind of pushing them each and every day to respond to their needs and their demands. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the R&D department that you would can really only dream of, I think, because it's out there in the real world. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the management here is particularly dedicated and uh, impressive. Um, my favourite quote from any management team ever, <laughs> from any CEO, comes from Keys Wheel. And mm, on, I've mentioned it. this a few times, but um, <laughs> Keys Wheel um, has said in an interview, um, I breathe eat and shit radiators <laughs> and and i believe him this is a, a a collection of people who wake up every morning with one focus the they're only yeah. interested in one thing yeah. you know, they built this business it is astonishing look I, I think we we're saying a lot of good stuff about it i think there's a few things we ought to mention mm. to explain why we don't own this or why we've never Let's upgraded it First of all, I mentioned the first time we upgraded it, there was, it's, it's not easy to grasp the quality of this business in the first place. Now, the second time I took it to the Dragon's Den, the price came up. And, and I think this is a sticking point. This has been since the drive to survive and um, uh, since F1 has become quite popular, uh, this has become a bit of a darling stock. And mm -hmm. it's, it's traded typically over 50 times earnings. Even now when it's come down in price, it's 40 times earnings. And I think that is a big, big price to pay for what is quite a small business where the growth isn't coming from the parts of the business that are already made it successful. They actually have to go into new markets with new products and new sales channels to deliver that growth. So I, I don't think it's a slam dunk at all. And I would not want to pay 40 times earnings for this company. So I certainly wouldn't be running out and buying it, it today. It does make you wonder when like revenue is growing at 10%, 11% a year, and yep. that's growing at 14% yep. a year. Earnings per share at 12, yep. 12 and a half, I think. Um, where is the, the, the market seems to be telling you that there's, is it electric vehicles and radiators for electric vehicles or something? It seems as though that there's a potential, there's a, there's a belief that this business could explode revenue-wise and grow yeah. in a way it hasn't in the past. I've, I've heard analysts talk about this, that they, they think that th there is a belief in the market or a belief among some people that PWI is on the brink of supplying, uh, of being an EV supplier that it can cool. It, it does have very good technology to cool batteries, but um, 
there's a reason why these guys are big in EV in in F1 and and in two million dollar supercars, and they'll never be used in a Toyota or a Hyundai product ever because mm-hmm. um, what they can't do is scale. Uh, the advantage of this business is that it it is everything is bespoke and and top of the range and advanced. And as soon as you require scale a Bosch or, you know, another competitor who makes radiators is going to wipe the floor with them. So this is never going to be a scale business. It's unlikely to be growing at 20% a year. I think that 10% a year is, is what I'm estimating growth at. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, so I, I think people who expect that from the business do not understand the business. It's not mm. going to be um, a, a scale cooling business. There could, is a belief. Could, that could they li- license the technology? I don't think they'd want to do that. Um, mm. you know, this is quite, it's quite valuable. Um, uh, I, and I don't think that's on the plans, but, um, the, the other source of growth here is they're in the running for a couple of largish defense contracts. Um, mm. and if they get those contracts that will accelerate growth, but that comes with risks of its own. Now, remember I told you the story of Marsden. Marsden used to dominate F1 and then yeah. F1 became a tiny part of their business and they started. They now are the market leader for um, satellites, shuttle, uh, shuttles, and um, and uh, uh, aerospace. They call systems for all sorts of aerospace applications. Um, and they grow. They grew into that market, and they lost um, F one to PWR. And I worry that PWR is on exactly that same trajectory. You know, they're now on the brink of growing into all these new markets. And will they, the question is, will they be able to maintain their grip and their focus on the stuff that makes them so wonderful today? So there's a management challenge there for Key's wheel. Um, He does seem like the archetypal founder. He's completely obsessed with radiators, as you say. Is he the kind of person that's capable of making that transition and turning this into a far bigger business? That is the question, isn't it? Um, if anyone can do it, it's surely him. But I think we need to be careful about the price. There's a lot, I still think there's a lot of enthusiasm about this business. There's a, people who uh, who don't understand <laughs> the company very well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's 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 been caught up into all this growth hype. And I, I think we want to exercise caution. This is a remarkable business. I would love to own it one day. And I think we should all aspire, you know, to to own it. We should. It should be on the watch list. I think it deserves a place on a list like this. But this is not a buy today, you know. And we ought to be careful about the price that we pay for this company. Ultimately. Okay. So, in your view, PWR is running too hot, and we will let members know when it cools down a bit, and uh, we get a chance to buy it. You've just been waiting for ages to say that, haven't you? It's the only thing I've been confident about <laughs> saying in the past 40 minutes. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> okay, Gaurav, sure. thanks very much. That was uh, very interesting. Um, enjoy the rest of the day. And if members want to check out PWR, look on the website, go and have a look at the company page, and there's an ideas lab there, which will give you good background. It's three years old now, but it's still worth reading. And there is also... Um, if you go into their ASX announcements, there's also a presentation they did last month at the UBS Emerging Companies Conference, which is worth having a look at too, and that'll give you a good overview of the financial metrics and where they're going. Yeah, I think that I can second that. That um, uh, that presentation in particular tells you a lot about where the company's focus is now headed. And yeah. um, unfortunately, it's a bit further away from F1. Yeah.
Yeah, it is. Thanks very much, Gaurav. Pleasure. Thanks, John.